Welcome to Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, the weekly podcast that features the very best in productivity and professional development in the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, Patton McDowell, and happy to give you ideas that can elevate your leadership role in your current or perhaps your future nonprofit organization. Thanks, as always, for listening and for your great feedback. I'm glad to bring you these weekly conversations with experts and nonprofit leaders who are on the cutting edge of productivity and philanthropy. Speaking of productivity, I had a great conversation to share with you this week with Dr. Lee Williams, who brings great research and experience to PMA Consulting. And the benefits she has brought to our firm have already been apparent in our work with nonprofit organizations of all sizes and types. Uh, Lee is literally an organizational scientist, having earned both her master's and PhD in that field, and has applied her focus on meeting effectiveness in both nonprofit and for-profit settings. Now, even before the pandemic, I would suggest a lack of meeting efficiency is one of the biggest productivity downfalls we face in the nonprofit sector. As a leader, you can't afford to waste your staff and board members' time with bad meetings. And now that most of your meetings are virtual, it's even more important that you maintain a level of engagement that your key colleagues deserve. That's really what makes this episode so helpful. Uh, Lee is bringing all of her expertise and has organized them around five keys to assuring the design and execution of dynamic virtual meetings. It's something that you can literally put into effect right away. And I'm confident it'll help you as a nonprofit leader to better organize yourself and maximize the time of the talent that is around you. Uh, How do you assess the ROI of your current set of meetings? Uh, How do you design a thoughtful agenda? How do you master the technology you're using and those around you are using as well? Uh, We'll get into preparation, execution, and then, of course, follow-up so that these meetings truly advance the activity that your organization is trying to maneuver. Don't forget to check out the show notes. This is episode number 59. Just go to the podcast or the news page at PattonMcDowell.com and you can find all of the resources, the links, and in particular, a book that Lee has uh, recommended that will help you even more on this uh, journey to more productivity around meetings. You can also learn more about Lee herself and the great work she's doing here at PMA Consulting. Speaking of resources, when you're on our website, check it out. See if we can help you or your nonprofit organization with strategic planning. Perhaps it's facilitating a retreat or a board planning session or something like that. Uh, Again, we have been able to really elevate those types of services thanks to Lee's contributions. And, of course, we're always open to helping you personally on your journey toward nonprofit leadership. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Lee Williams. Lee, thank you for joining me on the path. Good morning, Patton. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on, uh, I believe this would be 60 episodes. Congratulations on your podcast success. Well, it's exciting to have uh, experts like you joining, uh, not only on this podcast, but of course, we're very fortunate as a firm to have you on our team. And I'm excited to unpack, frankly, a topic that everybody is wrestling with which is, uh, you know, dynamic meetings in this virtual environment. And frankly, I think we needed to talk about meetings before we were all virtual because it's such an important uh, investment of time for nonprofit organizations and our, our listeners that are leaders of these organizations need to pay attention. So thank you for sharing this. Definitely. It's really, it's a topic that is near and dear to my heart for so many reasons. And I'm eager to talk about this uh, this topic today. Well, before we do that, as you know, I, I like to ask my guests, talk about your journey uh, into the nonprofit space, if you would, first. Definitely. So um, like so many that have kind of come on to the show, I've listened to lots of different stories about how people arrived on the path, and I feel like they've all been, you know, kind of subtly had this theme of accidental arrival, and that was kind of the case with me, too. So I recently finished my doctorate in uh, organizational science from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte in May of this year. And 
The Org Science program, to uh, lift it up a little bit, is an interdisciplinary program that focuses on employee and organizational health, well-being, and effectiveness. Um, so during that time, I had the opportunity to not only engage in research on these topics, including meetings, which we'll talk about, but also carry out consulting projects and have uh, about half a dozen internships related to these topics as well. And one of the opportunities that I had while I was um, in school was working as a nonprofit consultant where I had the opportunity to partner with nonprofits, uh, frankly, all over the country to help improve the effectiveness of their uh, volunteer programs specifically. And then, of course, we felt that this improving their volunteer programs would relate to their overall effectiveness as well. And having this experience is what led me to wanting to get on the path and kind of make this my, my uh, permanent work after school. So after I graduated uh, during a pandemic, I took some of the advice that you and so many <laughs> other guests have given to, uh, to listeners to, you know, reach out to your network and connect with people that have experience in areas you're pursuing. I know that you are such an advocate for that and so many of your guests have been as well. And it was during this time that I had uh, what seemed like countless informational interviews and really honed in on where I'd really ultimately like to land. And thanks to a couple of colleagues that you and I have in common, um, my uh, digital resume or a LinkedIn profile came, came to your inbox and there was uh, luckily a slot for me here at PMA. So one thing led to another, right? That's definitely. Definitely the network, the network, I saw the network in action and I'm super appreciative to all those that, that helped me uh, connect with you. And I've been so happy in the first 90 days or so that I've been working with you. And since I've started, I've been involved in projects related to, gosh, um, board assessment and development, We've done some strategic planning work. I'm getting my feet wet with fundraising that I am eager to learn more about. Um, grants management and done a lot of uh, internal project management for the PMA team as well. Well, you've been a fantastic collaborator already. I've seen your good work already in action and frankly benefiting uh, many of the nonprofit leaders we work with in all sectors. And I love that you lift up something we talk about on the path to nonprofit leadership, which is uh, your network, uh, building your network strategically. Uh, because indeed it, it paid off, I think, for us to work together, but it's something nonprofit leaders that are listening can always enhance, I think, their current and potentially their future leadership opportunities. Um, what I love also is that you're, you literally have researched productivity, which is a theme of this podcast, as you well know. And so I have to ask the question, uh, Lee, how do you maintain your level of productivity? Any uh, particular tips or tricks you might offer our listeners? Yeah, definitely. So I knew that this question was coming as somebody that has listened to many of your uh, podcast episodes. And I've been, I've been nervous to try and think of something that, you know, is unique to what I do. I follow so many of the good tools and tactics that you and your guests have talked about. But one thing that I uh, truly do is I use um, Google Tasks. So that is simply something that is part of your Google Calendar. Many people don't know that it's there, but if you go to your Google Calendar, you can not only add meetings and things to your schedule, but you can also add tasks. So this is um, my millennial take, I suppose, on the daily list making that I know we uh, so many people have talked about the fact that they engage uh, with on your podcast. Right. So um, the great thing that I love about it is that it integrates with my Google Calendar. So I can go in and put a task and assign a time to it if I want to or not. And if I do assign a time to it, it will literally pop up as a uh, reminder during my day. So um, that's something that I like to do at the beginning of each day or if I'm really on the ball <laughs> the night before. <laughs> it's fantastic. You have something else I think you told me about. Inbox audit, right? Yeah. Is that what you call it? So um, I know that you've kind of talked about rituals as part of as part of your work. And one of the weekly rituals that I have is at the end of the week, I will clean up my inbox before I go into the weekend. It's something that I do uh, behind, behind the scenes. I'm not even sure if you're aware that I do it on Friday afternoons. <laughs> and I will uh, clean up my inbox. And really, I use uh, labels in Gmail to um, 
label everything according to the clients we have or according to the project that I'm working on so that my inbox isn't overwhelming. I feel like, especially with our nonprofit leaders that we interact with every day, they can receive dozens, if not, you know, a hundred plus emails every single day. And I just feel like something important for me personally is to keep that inbox organized to the extent that I can while, while emails kind of fly in throughout the week. I love that Lee. And again, I'm, I'm one to preach, it's not a specific technique you use, but just have techniques like the two you described. How do you organize the the volume of of input that comes at you? You know, and you just described two good ways that I hope others will consider. How do you manage your calendar? How do you manage your tasks? And how do you manage your email? If if we could just manage those three things reasonably well, we probably would be much more efficient with our time and our productivity. I know. Easier said than done sometimes, but just some food for thought. Indeed. Well, let's unpack the the highlight of this episode, which I'm excited to get into, especially given the conversations I'm having with nonprofit leaders all over the country uh, in terms of uh, meeting management. Um, in, in our first few months together, of course, you and I have worked together to leverage the expertise you have on meetings. And I wonder in general, maybe you could kind of open up what I think will lead to five key recommendations about, uh, you know, meeting management in today's virtual environment. Sure. So kind of to explain where my quote unquote expertise comes from, um, I, you know, understanding the science of meetings, and that truly is a topic for those of you that are laughing and wondering whether that's a real thing, um, (laughs) was literally the topic of my doctoral uh, dissertation work. So I had the opportunity uh, recently to study under a world-renowned meeting scholar um, that is not hyperbole at all. He's truly uh, an expert in the field. Um, Dr. Stephen Rogelberg, he was my academic advisor while I was doing my doctoral work, and he was the one that really introduced me to this area of meeting science, and that is what I studied for my dissertation. So in my work, in my research, I was looking, uh, my project was focused on multitasking during meetings, uh, understanding why employees are more likely to engage in multitasking and the effect that multitasking can have uh, on a meeting. Um, It was truly ironic to give my presentation when I did because graduating during a pandemic, it was in a virtual format. And um, I like to say that, you know, one of the biggest predictors that I found of multitasking is having your meetings be virtual. So the fact that- It's even worse than in in person, in other words? Unfortunately, unfortunately, my research did show a relationship between having virtual meetings versus in-person meetings and employees engaging in more of those multitasking uh, behaviors. So obviously that was not a choice that we could make since the university was having all virtual presentations at that time. But the irony that I was giving a virtual presentation during which my committee and audience members had to pay attention to what I was saying on the screen was, uh, was super high. So that was, that was kind of a funny, funny way to ironic, isn't it? Yeah. That you had to experience it or you had to see evidence even more because, because I would contend that, that there was uh, the, the risk of multitasking and distraction in many of the nonprofit meetings we've been part of before this virtual environment. So uh, I guess that's why this topic is even more important now. Exactly. Exactly. And what I've realized, um, you know, since my dissertation, which I could talk about for an entire podcast episode um, (laughs) and starting my work at PMA is that, my research and meetings expertise is really applicable to nonprofit leaders, especially um, you know, during these times when we are in a virtual environment and leaders are suddenly tasked with leading virtual meetings, not necessarily something that you get a lot of training on when you right. become a leader. Um, I think that you know, people assume that folks in leadership positions know how to run a good meeting. And I think that we would both contend that that's something that is not necessarily um, talked about when when you go from being an individual contributor to a leader and even higher up the leadership ladder. So I think that this is um, something that really deserves some attention. And I think that you and I have both found that the best nonprofit leaders have adapted to the virtual meeting environment. That's fantastic. And, and uh, could not agree more in that uh, nonprofit leaders need to sharpen these skills uh, no matter what. And, and I think we'll talk about both for the internal 
meeting dynamic, you know, keeping your team engaged, uh, but also obviously our nonprofit leader listeners are often dealing with external audiences, their boards, their advisory groups, and others. And so the skill is absolutely critical, I think, even to donors, now that a lot of interaction is occurring virtually there. So the things you're going to talk about, Lee, I think are going to apply and improve these uh, engagement techniques across the board. Um, it, it's not surprising as a firm, we've kind of built a lot of our platform around five keys of nonprofit excellence. So I'm excited that you have kind of matched our five keys uh, <laughs> routine here because you have five keys for pro, you know productive and in fact dynamic virtual meetings. Yes, that was the hope to kind of really give folks, uh, listeners some tactical advice as to five keys to these meetings. And they kind of roughly go in a chronological order, although we'll jump around some, I'm sure. Uh, and like you said, these really apply to lots of different types of virtual meetings that nonprofit leaders are being forced to, um, to tackle every single day. I love it. All right, well, let's jump into it. Uh, number one on your list of the five uh, keys to leading dynamic virtual meetings is assessing the meeting ROI. What, what do you mean by that? So given the volume of activity, and I know that that is one of the hallmarks of this podcast is assessing and dealing with the volume of activity that nonprofit leaders, staff, volunteers, donors, board members all deal with on a daily basis. My first key is literally figuring out whether a meeting is truly necessary. Is it worth the time investment on all the parts of those that would be attending that meeting to actually hold a meeting. Um, I would encourage meeting leaders to regularly deal with the kind of philosophical question of, do we need to have this meeting? Or could this meeting be turned into something that I can achieve via email? or even um, a quick video that you literally record yourself, um, or even a voice note. I know that uh, internally in our PMA team that you have introduced me to the, the voice note option where you will literally send me an email that has a two, three minute kind of attachment where you're just speaking into your voice memos on your phone. And that can be a really effective way to um, transfer information. So if you look at the goals of your meeting and it's really more of an informational sharing meeting, I would argue that our meeting leaders who are so busy could get some time back in their day by sending an email with a video or a voice note instead of uh, having a meeting if it's not truly necessary. That's fascinating. And I, it, it occurs to me, and I'll be more intentionally provocative. Um, are you just having meetings because you've always had these meetings? Exactly. And, and I think that's your point, right? That a lot of these standing meetings become very ineffective or certainly not very productive, but we just keep having them for the sake of having it. Definitely. And as a, as a meetings researcher, the idea of a standing meeting uh, really kills me because what we find even in the research is that standing meetings that have been on the calendar for, you know, months or even sometimes years, uh, are just, they're just placeholders. And I would contend that not a lot of meeting leaders take the time or not enough take the time to really assess whether that is truly necessary. Can this week's regularly scheduled meeting be canceled to give some people the time back in their day while still getting their input? You can email them and say, hey, was gonna have a meeting about X, Y, and Z. All I really need is your input on X. Please, you know, take the time over the next couple of days to give me your input and then share out the input that you've gotten over email. And suddenly you've given people back half an hour or an hour in their day, which as we know with nonprofit leaders who are overwhelmed with volume of activity that they're dealing with, that can be extremely valuable. That's such a good example. And I'm sure you'd agree. Now, if your team pushes back and says, no, we have some relevant discussion necessary, then the meeting does have ROI if indeed we have it but just to have it um, and for no other reason than to keep it on the schedule is certainly not productive use of anybody's time. Absolutely. And I think what I'm advocating for here to your point is just taking a few minutes to think critically about whether it's worth people's time. I think that that is as a meeting leader, you really, um, you know, Steven Rogelberg, my advisor talks about 
um, being a steward of others' time. And when you really put that on yourself to think about whether this is a good use of your attendees' time and your own time, taking a minute to think critically about that can really answer this question of, should I have the meeting? And then often, oftentimes the answer is yes, and you can have a great meeting. And we'll talk about how to really have that good meeting with the other keys that I'm giving. And if the answer is yes, then that's great. And if the answer is no, then people will be appreciative that you're not quote unquote wasting their time. You'll be a hero. I can, I can absolutely contend uh, having sat through as many of our listeners have so many meetings that have been time wasters and it's no wonder we are distracted and we multitask because <laughs> uh, our, and I'm guilty of this too, uh, because we're hosting meetings that are not productive. And so I'm, that's a great way to start this conversation. And in fact, a good segue, Lee, to your second point, you know, which I think you were describing is design, designing and following a thoughtful agenda. Uh, so tell us, what does a thoughtful agenda look like? Right. So one way to really figure out whether a meeting is truly necessary to key number one is to take some time to think very intentionally about the agenda for your upcoming meeting. Um, so I think that people are confused about, you know, just having an agenda people feel good about and say, Oh, we're having this meeting and I've got an agenda for it. Well, that's not uh, to be provocative. That's not enough. Just having an agenda doesn't do you any good, especially for these standing meetings where people are just recycling the same agenda week to week and not putting any thought into updating it. You don't want Um, me to cut and paste my agenda from from every other weekly meeting? You can can cut and paste the outline, but you know, you've got to refresh the topics and you've got to bring in what we learned at the last meeting. So, you know, having an updated agenda where you're really thinking carefully about the topics and then actually following that agenda during the meeting are both key. So you could also create a wonderful agenda. And then when it gets in, you say, oh, by the way, we've really got to talk about this thing that ends up taking half the meeting. Well, then you might not as well have created an agenda in the first place. Oh, that's so uh, such a good point. And didn't Dr. Rogelberg have kind of a, a, a new way to think about agendas in terms yeah. of design them in a more, I guess, interactive way? For sure. So one of the things that he's talked about in some of the webinars that he's been doing during the pandemic, which uh, I'd invite people to check out, we can certainly post some links to them in our show notes, is um, this idea of creating your agenda by um, including questions rather than just topics. So um, by framing your agenda as questions, you'll know when you've had a successful meeting, you'll know when the meeting should be over because you will have answered all the questions on your agenda. So instead of saying, um, you know, strategy discussion as the first agenda item, you could literally frame a question about what is our goal for this year? And that way you're not just, you're really tailoring the discussion to answering that specific question. And um, oh, by the way, you would know by your questions, whether the meeting can simply be an email or whether it's, uh, a meeting where you really need to have input to answer those questions. Makes total sense. I wonder, Lee, would you encourage, in fact, a question to end meetings to, to quickly evaluate the success of today's meeting and or to evaluate the need and some of the questions we're going to talk about next time? Definitely. I love that. Um, one of the keys that we're going to talk about is following up and I feel like having a question at the end to really, you know, assess your meeting, do a little quick internal audit of how the meeting went and what you need to have, uh, what you need to do before the next meeting could be a really fruitful way to kind of leave people on a good note, leave people with food for thought and, um, you know, really think about next week's agenda. And that's something that we've seen with our clients about, you know, how did we leave the last meeting, which again, we'll talk about, but you know, how do we carry this forward to the next meeting and how can we engage in another uh, creative and thoughtful agenda? Well, it's a perfect segue to, in fact, the next one I was thinking about because the, these virtual environments sometimes have tools that you can utilize like polling features. That's something perhaps that could be utilized at the end of a meeting to kind of quickly assess people's, uh, you know, um, productivity or questions they might have. So you capture that, but maybe you would get into that, Lee, in our third topic, 
uh, you got to master the virtual platform, right, to do any of this well. Yeah, you really do. And I feel like I feel like there's so many options. It's a it's a blessing and a curse that there have been so many great companies coming out with options for how to run your virtual meeting. You've got everything from uh, just a couple that I'm familiar with, although there's probably literally hundreds, if not thousands of options like Mural and Miro. You've got Zoom. You've got Google Hangouts. I feel like meeting leaders could, I know that I have been uh, quickly inundated with an overwhelming number of options out there for virtual meeting platforms. So with this key, I feel like the, the key is to figure out what your preferred virtual platform is. Maybe that is set by your organization or maybe you can set it for all of your employees. Um, and just take an hour for, for you as a meeting leader or for someone on your staff to learn the ins and outs of that meeting platform and stick with it. So when we were kind of transitioning to all of our board meetings that we're helping um, our clients run, it's one of my favorite activities to do as a consultant alongside you is, is figure out that Zoom was really going to be a platform that we could easily leverage uh, from a you know cost perspective and kind of an investment perspective. And it's sufficient for our needs for the most part. Um, and you and I have both taken the time to kind of master some of the special features like breakout rooms, um, polling, which you just mentioned. And this is a skill set that I feel like we have been able to leverage effectively both for our internal meetings and also those meetings uh, that we're having with clients. But I know at the beginning of, you know, when I was coming on and we were starting to host these things, it was like, okay, what platform are we going to go with? And who is going to, you know, take the time to watch some of the webinars that are out there. There's an overwhelming amount of information that you could kind of get caught in the weeds in, but right, I found right. that it was sufficient to really, I mean, what it probably took me an hour or two to just, watch a series of videos, take some notes, learn how to turn on the breakout room function, for example, for everyone on our team and be able to master that so that we are ready for these uh, meetings that we're helping our clients with. Well, it makes total sense. And, and it strikes me as maybe part of back to number one in assessing your meeting ROI and, and the design, maybe it's number two, um, getting a sense of your internal and, and maybe your external board leadership about platforms with which they're familiar. Zoom certainly has, I think, the greatest familiarity. Not that we would ever object to new technologies being utilized, but it seems to me that you need to be careful about being too creative because if uh, particularly external audiences are not familiar or not comfortable, it, you might lose some of the energy from the meeting because they're struggling with the technology. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I know that, you know, in these meetings with boards and donors, we're engaging with our nonprofit leaders are engaging with a wide range of ages and technology familiarity. I know that a lot of folks have gotten very adept in these, in these times at doing virtual meetings. And I think that that is, you know, frankly, a silver lining of the, of this, of this pandemic, but we're dealing with folks that, you know, are very comfortable in the Zoom environment. We're dealing with some folks that prefer to still do conference calls. And if that's kind of the culture of your board, that's totally okay. And I think that it's really just choosing a platform that works for you and your organization and sticking with it instead of always getting caught up with the latest and greatest that comes out with all of the different features. Because if you're not able to use those features and have everybody on your board, to your point, use those features, then, then you're really taking away from what you're trying to accomplish during that meeting. Yeah, we've all seen the memes, unfortunately, or of course they're funny when it's <laughs> happening to someone else, but uh, the memes of people struggling in these virtual environments and, and nothing like a, a way to kill your productivity is, is losing the first 15 minutes because everybody's trying to figure out how to, how to use it. And so the faster and more effectively you can get people into the uh, you know, virtual environment and up and running, the better. And, you know, I, I have to give you credit and it leads to the fourth of your keys. Um, preparing with purpose is how you phrase it. But I, I'm a big advocate already. And I think it's so critical that nonprofit leaders go into these meetings uh, with advanced preparation. But maybe you could talk about, you know, what does that literally look like? 
For sure. So this one was a key that I almost felt like, well, they sh everyone should already know this. And I do feel like we all know that we need to prepare for our meetings, but I do find particularly in today's times when you can have a day full of back to back to back to back sometimes meetings exactly. where you're jumping from one Zoom or Google Hangout or whatever it may be to another and suddenly you're in your third meeting and you're like, oh my gosh, what was this meeting about? Or <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you just haven't had a chance to prepare. And so I know that, you know, we're dealing with longer work days sometimes in these uh, in this work from home environment, but I find personally, and I know that our most successful nonprofit leaders have found that taking a few minutes the night before or the morning of whenever is most convenient for you to really prepare for these virtual meetings that you're going to have, your investment goes such a long way. Um, yeah, go I have ahead. to give you credit. Sorry to interrupt you, but you have instituted for our firm, uh, particularly with any meeting of any you know length or substance, even a 15 minute or 20 minute walkthrough, I guess we call it, even though of course it's in a virtual environment. Um, <laughs> but um, it's just amazing. You think about, all right, what if so-and-so doesn't show up or what happens if this technology challenge occurs, but I'm convinced it has helped us adapt to those variables when a meeting occurs and we've just been more effective when hopefully some of those worst case scenarios don't show up. But I guess it's back to one of your personal productivity points, Lee, that maybe putting it on your calendar, which I think too often we're guilty of not doing that. We just show up in the meeting and figure we can wing it. Right. But if you're a nonprofit leader, put 15 minutes on your calendar the week before. And it seems to me that is kind of the preparation you're talking about. Couldn't agree more. You captured it perfectly. And, you know, that's one of the things that can so easily fall to the bottom of the pile, so to speak. And I totally understand that we are inundated these days with these meetings. But, you know, especially for these board meetings uh, that I know that you and I have had particular interest in, these kind of longer board meetings where they're really important and you're having an investment of, you know, 10, 20, 30 folks joining your meeting, you've got to, I, I would say as a meeting leader, I think it's imperative that you are extremely, somewhat over-prepared for those meetings. And right, right. I know that that adds time to the meeting and you have a lot to do in your day, but if you're not prepared and suddenly you're scrambling when you get on there to, you know, share documents and uh, create, you, you know, groups for breakout sessions, if you're doing that live, then that, you know, your, your ROI on that meeting has already gone down just because you haven't taken, you know, as little as 15 minutes to prepare for the big meeting uh, beforehand. So I feel like those are the situations where you get in there and you say, oh gosh, what were we supposed to be talking about? Or exactly. what was our first agenda item? And um, so all these keys are really you know, interrelated. And to your point about including things on your calendar, this can be so much more effective if we just take the time to, to um, prepare. Well, and, and speaking of preparation, you've also been a big advocate of preparing your workspace. Again, I think we all, I, perhaps, and I'm guilty of this too, we, we're too casual in our homework environment and, and we haven't taken some time to think through kind of preparing our, our space, but maybe you could speak to some of that. For sure. And I feel like this is one that, you know, could get some backlash for, because I know there's so many parents out there that are literally having to be a parent and homeschool teacher at the same time as being a meeting leader. Uh, and I know that people have so much going on as our lives have become in, uh, intertwined between work and family life. So completely understand that sometimes even my dogs will appear in our meetings sometimes. <laughs> right, right. Um, I know that you've experienced that. And I understand that, you know, kids sometimes get in the background and definitely not saying that there's anything wrong with that, especially as people are dealing with these challenges, but to the extent that you can think about where you're going to have a meeting in a quiet space. So for this uh, Zoom this morning with you for this podcast, I have uh, shut, shut my dogs, shut my children um, out of the room. I've got my headphones on. I've got a clear background, even though we don't have a video component to really be intentional so that I can be as prepared 
as I can be for this meeting. Um, again, I know that's easier said than done for so many things, but you know, I think about my multitasking uh, research. And one of the things that we found interestingly is that in the virtual environment, when folks have their video turned off, right. their likelihood to engage in multitasking is so much significantly higher. Makes so, total sense. Right, yep. exactly. And if, you know, if it's easier for your eyes to wander, and I know that we all have emails coming in during these meetings, totally understand. But if you can have your video on for your participant, for yourself, that will also kind of set the tone for your group that you have taken the time as a meeting leader to think about your space. You're in a quiet space. You've got your video on, you've got your mute button off, um, you know, to really take the time to think about that and prepare to the extent that you can, I feel is important for having a productive uh, meeting and having folks that are really engaged. Yeah, absolutely. And for all the reasons you indicate and that you at least nobody's going to be upset when you, your family's uh, involved, <laughs> but, but do the things you can do to eliminate noise. Uh, make sure it, it, that one, you're on video and that you have good lighting. Uh, I think it's just kind of weird when people are in the dark <laughs> sometimes <laughs> when they turn the video on it, it just demonstrates that they're really not fully present in my opinion. And so those are some of the things that I think preparation can build. And, and you've said it more than once and it bears repeating that a little bit of time to prepare that, are, is there some material that I wanna print out to be able to reference or have on my screen? Um, those kind of things will make me a more effective meeting leader and or meeting participant. That's such a good point. And I feel like on that note, you know, distributing materials ahead of time to the extent that you can. I know that people are already busy as we've talked about so many times, but you know, if they do have time to read something ahead of time, I feel like that is always, uh, point. Yeah. always helps for a more productive meeting. But if not, if you can be prepared as a meeting leader to either share your screen during the meeting or something that we've done with our clients and our clients are prepared to do is share it in the chat box, you know, on zoom or whatever virtual meeting platform you're using. Um, instead of saying, Oh yeah, we'll send that after the meeting. Well, after the meeting, sometimes people have moved on to another meeting. So if you can share it in real time or ahead of time, that's something that is, you know, really helps with your agenda. It helps move the meeting forward and it really helps you think about the materials that folks are going to need to be engaged with to have a productive meeting. Well, and, and I'm, I, again, I hearken back to what Dr. Rogelberg said of, of the questions, uh, that, which is just a more kind of uh, intriguing way to build meeting momentum, which we'll talk about in a minute in your fifth key. But it occurred to me, we're doing a, a virtual workshop for our mastermind group this week. And instead of just kind of giving them a very generic agenda, we said, hey, here are five questions that we're gonna talk about, you know, over the course of the program. And here's one in particular for this week's session. And so I wonder if that's another variation, but there's no reason you couldn't pose a headline question, I think for even your regular team meetings. Hey right. folks, we're really gonna focus this week on this critical strategic question, and here it is. And, and I wonder if that, Lee, to your point, would bring people to the meeting a little bit better informed and engaged. Right, I mean, even preparing for this podcast today, because I knew the kind of headlines that we were going to be discussing, uh, like it or not, it's something that I've been thinking about as I am taking my walks, um, as I'm, you know, kind of having conversations with my husband about, oh, oh, that's another thing that I should bring up on the podcast. And I feel like if you give folks the opportunity to think about what you're going to be talking about during that meeting, it'll kind of be, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be working on it in their heads, whether they, whether they'd like to or not. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it seems uh, very relevant to your fifth and final point. Uh, as much as we may get tired of meetings, sometimes uh, there is no escape. As you said, meetings may come back to back to back. So as a meeting leader, we got to keep the momentum going. Uh, so tell us, how can a nonprofit leader keep the momentum going if we've been effective in this meeting design? Absolutely. So I feel like there is a tendency sometimes because we're busy to have a meeting and then you've jumped on to your next meeting and it'll be three days later and you realize that you haven't sent the notes out from that meeting that you exactly. had three days ago. 
So following up with intention and keeping the momentum going is the final key that I want to talk about. So a couple ways to do this. Um, perhaps during the meeting, someone, um, probably not the meeting leader because you already have so much on your plate when you're leading these meetings, someone should be taking uh, notes. Um, and I don't mean taking down every word that somebody says, but really capturing the headlines. And uh, I advocate that this could be a task that is rotated amongst attendees. So it's not the same person doing it every time because that can get annoying. Right. But have someone during the meeting capture the notes, um, bonus points if you're capturing it in kind of a living document that people can see. So you could literally have up on the screen a shared Google Doc that you are taking notes in real time and that way people can see what you're taking notes about and items that they've been assigned. But I know that that is, that's, that's maybe- champion. Not everybody can do that. Stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> so but maybe. Least, right, at least have somebody taking notes and then assigning owners for the follow-up items in real time. So, you know, these notes can then be shared. Maybe, maybe you ask that person, Hey, 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 Patton, can you, I know that you were taking notes today. If you have time before the end of the day to send out those notes, you don't really need to clean them up or anything, but if you could just send those out to the group so that people know what they're supposed to be working on, I'd really appreciate it. That kind of a, a task. And really ideally with a, a name attached to each item, right? Is that your Precisely. point? As opposed to just a laundry list of follow-up, somebody owns it. Precisely. I know that you and I in our one-on-one -on -one meetings will literally highlight our names. Patton is going to follow up on this. Lee is going to send an email about this um, so that it is highlighted uh, literally and figuratively for folks about what they're supposed to do before the next meeting. Right. Um, so sending the, taking notes, sending them out thoughtfully, assigning agenda uh, owners or task owners um, are all best practices. And something, if you've had a particularly needy meeting, as it were, um, sometimes you need to have a, a post meeting meeting. And I know that that is just, people are probably rolling <laughs> More meetings. their eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people are rolling their eyes, but you know, just last week with our, um, with our, with our friends up at the NC state, uh, college of design, we set a debrief meeting after their, uh, board meeting to get together with leadership to talk about the follow-up and ensure that the meeting momentum was carried forward. So, I feel like if we hadn't had that meeting, uh, you know, we could get to our next meeting and say, oh gosh, really meant to, you know, assign people a new committee or, you know, really meant to, really meant to do this. And if you don't take the time to talk about what those follow-up steps are, they can easily slip through the cracks because we've all got so much going on. Well, and to your point, and, and I think in fact, our friend Jill up there and you, agreed to set that follow-up meeting even before the full board retreat occurred. Good point. Because if, if we had waited till after, uh, it, all the momentum of that meeting might have been lost because it might have taken us two more weeks to get the key leaders from the board and the administration of the College of Design together. But thankfully, we had something two days later, so it was fresh and momentum did indeed continue. So I wonder again to nonprofit leaders listening, uh, do you build in a quick follow-up from every board meeting and perhaps key internal staff retreats and sessions so that the momentum is not lost because of, you know, the scheduling adventure that would naturally occur? For sure. And definitely not, and I know that you're not either, definitely not advocating this for every meeting, right? We're saying, you know, for these, for these, for these big important meetings where you have a meeting More of your substance. board, yeah, right, right, exactly. Uh, that's the case when you and I would advocate for a quick follow-up meeting, if not perhaps just, um, uh, just the meeting notes uh, that we talked about earlier could be sufficient in, in a lot of cases, especially with internal meetings, but just wanted to you know, kind of throw that out there that sometimes it really is worth the extra 15 or 30 minutes to uh, have that follow up to really keep the momentum going from the hopefully productive meeting that you had. Right. And I'll underscore at the bookend, I guess, approach you're suggesting. And, and again, we're not talking about every single meeting requiring a before and after meeting, but anything with substance, you know, even 15 minutes beforehand, I think will will prove to be the most valuable 15 minutes you invest and then predetermining a follow-up meeting that is nearly 
or as near as possible to the meeting itself will assure the follow-up occurs. And particularly, I think, and we'll talk about this next with board members whose time as volunteers is very valuable. And, and I know as you and I've had lots of interviews with board members one-on-one and they love their organizations, but they don't like their time being wasted. And so uh, if you didn't have enough motivation uh, for your own reasons, know that your board members are evaluating, I think, meeting effectiveness. And, and I think that's something, Lee, you've uh, you know, presented as well. Uh, a lot of these issues do apply to board meetings uh, in exactly. addition. Exactly, for sure. Um, and you know, that brings to mind something that you and I have talked about you can either do it in real time, sometimes in the Zoom environment, you can do a quick poll, or it's not challenging. You don't have to be a meetings uh, research expert to simply set up a free SurveyMonkey account and have somebody, you know, once a quarter of help evaluate your meetings. Um, that could be another follow-up activity that occurs sometimes. Hey, how are these meetings going that, uh, that, that Padner Lee is leading? What do you suggest that they start doing? What do you suggest that they stop doing? And what do you suggest that they keep doing? And, you know, right. a quick simple three, three question, question survey. Exactly. Right. Right. You can get some really valuable feedback and people can take that uh, survey um, at their convenience. And really, you get some really valuable feedback as to what you should um, build into your meetings or how you can uh, change your meetings in real time. So that quick survey that anybody can do by literally setting up a free SurveyMonkey account is something that we would um, advocate, particularly around these bigger meetings that you're having. Well, and something else you've done and we have done, um, and, and sometimes these long meetings, you're exhausted. You cannot wait to click on end meeting or get out because <laughs> you need a break. But the virtual environment, sometimes we've just said, hey, uh, maybe through uh, you know, a message, direct messaging, uh, hey, can you stay on for 15 more minutes? And we'll maybe keep one of our key board or staff leaders on the Zoom or in the Zoom room a little bit longer, which I guess would also achieve what you've said, uh, kind of keeping the momentum going, making sure we're clear before everyone, you know, scatters. Exactly. Love that. Are there other things, Lee, that in terms of, it strikes me that all five of these elements that you have suggested are wonderfully valuable and would absolutely apply to a board environment. Is there anything else that uh, I guess you would suggest in the, the unique nature of board meetings that, that this might apply? Yeah. So since I started with PMA, um, one of my favorite things to do alongside you and the rest of the team is to help clients run successful board meetings. Uh, we've helped, you know, run successful virtual meetings for, um, for nonprofits in many sectors, um, human services clients, higher ed clients. So we talked about uh, throughout this podcast, faith clients of all different sizes. We've had boards that have been, you know, I think we've had as few as eight people. And I think we've had as many as up to 35 people on these board meetings. And they've uh, engaged us to help with their board meetings. And it's, it's really been one of my, um, one of my favorite things to work on. And I feel like with these board meetings specifically, several of these keys are just kind of heightened. Uh, as you said, these folks are investing sometimes up to four, six, eight hours if you have an all-day meeting, which I don't yes. think I would recommend in the Zoom environment. No, but, not at all. Um, <laughs> but they're investing a lot of their time. So I feel like something like agenda creation, for example, uh, you know, meeting key number two is even more critical. How are you going to keep a full board of up to 30 people engaged for what is likely going to be a longer session? Right. Um, well, and that's yeah, where you've please. suggested the kind of the variation of the agenda. Nobody wants to sit through a three hour lecture. No. So I guess that's where you could talk about changing the pace. And are, are there, aren't there some other techniques that you recommend to make the meeting more dynamic? Yeah. So especially with these longer meetings, you know, I feel like most of our board meetings that you and I have helped facilitate alongside our clients have been between 
two and four hours. And that's, that's a long time to be sharing, to be staring at your screen to, you know, minimize distractions, uh, minimize multitasking, my favorite topic. So right. with those, uh, with those longer sessions, we, uh, to your point, do recommend a mixture of full group and small group discussion. So in the zoom environment, it is uh, relatively easy to turn on your breakout room feature. It's something you can go online and do. And that way, you know, maybe at the beginning you have a full group discussion and then the next topic or agenda question is, uh, is fulfilled by having a small group discussion where you send people into virtual smaller groups and have them discuss something uh, very specific for seven to eight minutes and then bring the group back together so that it's not just you or I or a nonprofit leader just kind of talking at a group for four hours because, you know, I know we all remember college days and, and lectures and not liking those as much as when the professor would say, hey, we're going to break up into small groups and get yeah, to discuss. You're zoning something, out. So. You're, you're going to zone out for sure, aren't you? If you are presented with that extended time period without any variation. Yeah. And it's just not that difficult to kind of build in some of those smaller group discussions. And we've found that a lot of our most fruitful discussions have happened in those small groups and really um, been something that the meeting leaders are happy with when they, when they do include those. Um, another specific tip for these longer board meetings is to, we, we recommend building in a technology break sometime during the agenda to yep. reduce multitasking. So in my research, I found that if people know, um, if people know that they are going to have a chance to check their devices halfway through the meeting, especially for longer meetings, they're less likely to try to answer emails during the meeting if they know that, hey, halfway in, you're going to you're going to get a chance to turn off your video, stretch your legs, uh, check check your phones to make sure you don't need to put out any fires because we know that leaders have a, a lot of those, especially in the nonprofit sector. Um, to deal with. So give, give people an out, give people an opportunity to, to uh, engage with their technology devices about halfway through the meeting. Yeah, that's wonderful. Tell them it's coming. And I, I've been so impressed with that. And I'm convinced because if we don't do that, people are going to sign off uh, um, on their own schedule. And so that's, you know, you don't want a key member of the meeting to, for legitimate reasons, have to take a break and pause and all of a sudden they disappear on the Zoom screen. Um, but with the advanced knowledge of that break, I do think we better assure their engagement while the meeting is live. Exactly. And the last point I want to make here uh, in specific regards to board meetings is to try to try to minimize just having report out times, uh, report out time with these longer board sessions. Yeah, good so, point. Oftentimes, you know, our, our meeting leaders will kind of make the, I'm going to call it a mistake just because, you know, there's, there's so much better use of time, make the mistake of saying, oh, we've got this meeting, we've got to fill four hours, let's have all the committees report out on what they've done since the last meeting. And while that's very important information to share, I think that it could be done in advance of the meeting where you have people send out a quick bulleted list on what they've been up to. Or if that's not possible, have it be a really quick discussion, maybe even make it a breakout group um, so that it's not taking time away from your more strategic discussions that you need to be having while you have these great minds in the, in the room. Such a good point. And I think we found success with being very intentional about the time frame. If you're going to have a report out, then you say, hey, we're going to have, we're going to allow each group three minutes to do so. Um, which, of course, forces them to summarize, prioritize, and lift up the highlights. Again, we don't mean to dismiss the depth of their conversation, but uh, I agree with you. I think open-ended report outs um, tend to wander, and, and you'll have people that will go on and on and on, and that, of course, you lose everyone else. So be even more precise, maybe, in your agenda, and especially in light of the report out. Exactly. And is it an opportunity to try one of the techniques we talked about earlier where you ask them to record a one minute, you know, little voice note or video about what they've been up to and one person from each committee can do that and send it via email in advance of the meeting. Just another option. Lee, these are fantastic tips and suggestions. Uh, I would really encourage our listeners to utilize your five keys and maybe pose them as questions uh, around their 
kind of personal meeting design and preparation and organization because I, I would wager there is uh, really gold in each of these in terms of improving meeting mechanics and thus the engagement as we started with the engagement of your critical internal and external uh, audiences. Uh, is there anything else, Lee, in, in summary that you would add to this list because you've given some great uh, advice here? Yeah, I feel like we've just firehosed our listeners with a bunch. So hopefully they check out the show notes uh, where we <laughs> right. will post these keys um, and happy to talk further with anybody that wants, you know, more specifics. But I think to kind of wrap up, one of the things that I would say is one of the reasons that I like meetings research, and I know that I share this with uh, my advisor, Dr. Rogelberg, um, one, of the meeting, one of the reasons that I got into this work is that frankly, meetings are done so poorly across, across, yes. Uh, yes. across our organizations, not just nonprofits, but you know, even across the corporate sector as well. And they're done so badly that even taking a little bit of time to invest maybe in just one of these areas that we've talked about today, pick one key that you're going to focus on. You can really, I find, uh, make make a big difference in your meetings culture at your nonprofit organization by taking the time to focus on how you're going to improve your own meetings. I know that we have all been part of terrible meetings. We're going to continue to be. It's just a fact of life. Some people are really good at leading meetings and others are not. And that's, you know, you're just going to have variation there, which we are trying to address, but understand. And if you take the time to uh, to be a to be a better meeting leader, I would argue that that could you know create a culture shift in your organization that hey we're going to have good meetings and we're going to really make good use of our staff's time, of our board's time, of our donors' time, and really have something that this is a hallmark of our organization. So that's why I get excited about talking about them. That's why you and I you know have good meetings between the two of us and at our organization internally. And it's just a really exciting area to be able to make a lot of progress in without a lot of effort. Well put, Lee. Thanks for being a champion for meeting management. I would acknowledge that perhaps like many, uh, at first you're like, ah, meetings, that does not sound like the most exciting topic uh, as a nonprofit leader, <laughs> but you have made the case uh, very, very well that it is time and energy well spent to invest in this topic. So thank you for leading the charge and encouraging our listeners to do just that. Um, having survived a doctoral program myself, I'm not sure that you've had any extra time to quote, read for pleasure or <laughs> additional learning, but you know the drill here. I ask every guest, is there a book you might lift up for our listeners that has been meaningful to you? For sure. And um, yes, I, I must admit that after uh, reading for about six, seven, I don't know, years that it took me to get through all my research. Uh, I did take a little break except for reading Beach Reads after I finished, but I am back into it, uh, reading a few of your recommendations from your um, patents picks recently. And it won't be surprising after referencing him about a million times throughout this podcast that the book that I want to lift up is by uh, Dr. Stephen Rogelberg. He recently came out with the Surprising Science of Meetings, um, a book um, that he wrote on meeting science. It's a really excellent resource. It's not necessarily directed at nonprofit leaders, but it really applies to everybody, even academics, um, and really just talks about even more practical strategies to assess and improve your meetings. And it's just something that I enjoyed reading. It's just something that I got to be a tiny part of as he was writing it. Um, he's got some really great chapter summaries in there that he uh, has. So if you don't have time to commit to reading this book, at least look at the chapter summaries, I would advise. And it's just a really great um, resource in this, in this meeting space. Wonderful. I could not agree more. In fact, before I knew you, Lee, it, that is a book that caught my eye and indeed is on my uh, shelf. Uh, one I've read, enjoyed, uh, and certainly uh, is an excellent, I think, companion to this episode. We will lift it up in the show notes. And of course, also in the show notes, Lee, we want to lift up you. And uh, where would you suggest people can find out more about you and the good work you're doing? 
Yeah. So I'm happy to have uh, myself be part of the PMA website officially as of a few months ago. So can read my bio there, but also love to connect with folks on LinkedIn. I'm on there more uh, often these days than I used to be. And I love um, connecting with folks through that platform. It's actually how I was able to reach out to somebody in my network. Um, have to give a shout out to Doug Bacon for connecting me to you. And it was literally a one line LinkedIn message that led to all of the, um, all of the joys that I have now. So encourage others to kind of follow that advice that you and so many others have lifted up and connect with me. Would happy to be talking, would happy to talk about, um, you know, running good meetings and how PMA might be able to help partner with your organization to, to run these effective meetings as well. Thank you, Lee. Well put. And I would encourage listeners that want to brainstorm about meeting design and facilitation. Uh, Lee is a wonderful expert on exactly that topic. Thank you, Lee, for joining me on the path. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Lee as much as I did and came away with some really practical ideas that can help you and your organization design and produce better meetings. Don't forget the show notes are available on our website, patentmcdowell.com, where you can find out more about the topics Lee and I discuss, and in particular, a link to Stephen Rogelberg's great book on meetings. As always, please share this episode with somebody else on the path. If you haven't already, you can subscribe. Uh, Make sure you get these weekly editions of the podcast. Just go to patentmcdowell.com. And go to the podcast page and you'll see links to all of the primary platforms. Uh, Don't miss out on any of these weekly episodes. They come out every Thursday. And we're also producing bonus features, usually once a month. Thanks for all you're doing in the nonprofit sector, especially right now. And keep up the good work for causes that are most meaningful to you. I'll keep bringing you content that can help you do it even better. Have a great week and I'll see you next time on The Path.